Amen, amen, amen. Hey, do me a favor, high-five somebody. Look, I've got some people to high-five up here. I'm high-fiving. If you're at home alone, or maybe you're not home alone, maybe you're with somebody, high-five. Look, if you're at the gym, and just walk over to a complete stranger and high-five them, and after they look at you with dirty looks, say, hey, I'm listening to church service right now, and and I think you should be a part of it. My pastor's telling me to high-five somebody, and so I high-five somebody, and so it just makes a bunch of sense. Hey, welcome to Victory at home. So glad to be with you. Uh, Again, if you're kind of new to our church, what's happening is we are currently in phase one of what's happening here in Rutherford County. And so we are able to film from our location, but we're not able to have a lot of people back in location. So we have a couple few people with us. So give me a little shout real quick. Come on, give me, give me. Oh, oh, that was loud. We got, I feel like we got some, got some uh, love this morning. And so we're going to have some fun, Uh, but, but we're working towards that. Hey, stay tuned again, all of our social media, check your email so you can get the latest updates on what's happening right here in your church. Hey, if you got your Bibles, do me a favor and turn to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Uh, I'm going to read it real quick and then I'm going to kind of set up where we're going to. This, this is our foundational scripture for today. Uh, Acts chapter 9 verse 1. If you have your Bibles, if you don't, it'll be on the screen as you're watching. But it says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, So that if you found any who were of the way, we talked about last week how the way was the movement that Jesus was leading, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. I I saw a a sign recently on Facebook, I got got to pause for a second to say this, that somebody said, I want to join Paul in Damascus. Did you get that? D, oh, I'm sorry, it was D. D, I ruined the joke. I'm sorry. All right, let's go back to, let's go back to Scripture. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light. Did you even get the joke at all? D, mask. Okay, I'm sorry. Suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, and it's hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembled, so he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now, if you pay a lot of attention to me when I'm preaching, and you were watching last week, then what you may have realized already is that those were the same scriptures that we started last week's sermon with. So, I mean, it was the exact same scripture reference. And maybe, maybe you're asking a couple of different questions. Maybe your question is, why uh, is Pastor Troy reading the same exact scriptures he read last week? Uh, you may be asking, what is wrong with Troy? You may be asking, hey, what did we miss? Right? Did we miss something? Uh, you may be asking, you know, did, did we go all the way through it? And did, maybe we just didn't catch it. Maybe we didn't get it the first time. I've actually thought about before re-preaching sermons week to week just to see if people would actually get them and start acting them out. So maybe that's what's happening. But uh, it's neither. Matter of fact, do me a favor. Ask the person or, or tell the person beside you, tell them you're asking the wrong question. Tell them, so you're asking the wrong question. Hey, if you're watching online, I want you to put in the comments, that's the title of today's message, The Wrong Question. Title of today's sermon, The Wrong. Do me a favor, go ahead and share that with somebody on your social media. The title of today's message, The Wrong Question. Are we asking the wrong question? I, I still think probably one of the most miraculous moments in my life 
was when Darla officially decided that, like, she wanted to date me, right? Like, like to, me, to me, that was the moment where I was like, like, to this day, of all the miracles that I have seen, God's planted a church and done, I still think the largest miracle or, or maybe the most um, incredible miracle outside of Christ's resurrection, of course, is that Darla actually chose, like, Darla saw me and said, I want to date him. Like, like that, that's always been, because let's just be honest, all right? I mean, I'm not incredibly attractive, right? I, I said incredibly. So, I mean, I'm attractive, but I didn't say, you know, incredibly. Uh, I, 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 when she met me, I wasn't incredibly talented, and I'm not incredibly talented now. I, I didn't have a lot going for me. So that's why I'm saying I was, I was actually kind of blown away that she was interested. But we've talked about this before, and, and I've asked her before. I said, well, you know, what was it? You know, we were, I don't know what I was, 20, 21 years old, again, wasn't great looking, didn't have a lot going for me. Well, you know, I mean, I had a community college degree for one semester at the time, you know, and so I'm like, what, what was it? And she would always tell me it was because you were so confident. That's what she would say. She would say, when I met you, you were just, you just had this confidence. And, and I'm learning, and, and agree with me if you think I'm right, I'm learning that you can fake anything if you have enough confidence, right? You, 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 can, you can just about fake anything if you're just confident enough, if you just appear like you know or you think you know what you're talking about, people will believe you. In fact, there's a movie out called Catch Me If You Can. Have you ever seen this movie? Leonardo DiCaprio stars in it, and he, he portrays a real person who uh, was, was in, he became a physician, an attorney, a pilot, all these different things simply because he had confidence. He, he couldn't do any of the things. He, he was lying in all of the different roles, but just because he had enough confidence, people believed he were those characters. And so I was going down this, this path away of confidence for a couple weeks now, and, and because of 2020 and because of what all we're facing, I feel like everybody's kind of at a loss for what the purpose of 2020 is, right? Like, like, like almost like people are wanting to just throw 2020 out. Like, you know, there's no purposes. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do anymore. Church isn't the same. Restaurants aren't the same. My job isn't the same. They talk about how we're having the most domestic violence ever because husbands and wives are actually having to, like, spend time together. And, like, like everybody's like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the purpose is. And so a few weeks ago, I really felt the urge to start preaching towards your calling or, or your purpose. And, and that's why we, we started off with your called to chaos. And I talked about how the purpose in your life is not to run away from chaos, but in this season is to actually run to it. And you should be facing it and doing something about it. And then the week after that, we talked about how when it comes to your purpose and when it comes to your calling, it's going to have both peaks and pits. And so there's going to be moments where it's great and there's going to be moments where it doesn't seem so great. And it doesn't mean that you're outside of your calling. It just means that God gives you up seasons and down seasons. Uh, and then we talked about that, hey, even in the midst of your calling, you're still in transition. And so God's still working on you. And so despite your calling, you need to keep at it. And then last week, if you walk, watched, we talked about how when it comes to your calling, you're going to have this passion for your calling, but you need to make sure to keep your passion in the right place, right? Don't, don't, don't misplace your passion. And so I've just kind of been walking us through our calling. And I came to this question that I felt like I really wanted to bring the, these series of messages to close together. And the question is this, when it comes to my calling, how can I be confident about my calling? How, how can I be confident about my calling? Like if there was ever a year that makes you question your purpose, right? If there was ever a year that makes you question your calling, it's 2020. 
And how can you and I be confident about our calling right now? How is that possible? And that's the question I wanted to answer. And then in trying to answer that question, it brought me to this question. How was Paul so confident about his calling? Like we literally have walked through Paul's ministry over the past couple of weeks. And if there's anything we see about Paul, it's that Paul was confident. He was confident when we talked about last week how he thought he was in his calling and how he was persecuting Christians and he thought he was doing it for God, right? Because he was persecuting those who were following Jesus. And he was confident then, so confident that he was busting in people's houses and snatching them out and taking them into, into, uh, you know, in, 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 into, into court and all these different things so they could be put into prison. He was confident about it. And then he found out that that wasn't his calling, and he started a new calling, and he was confident about that. How is Paul so confident about his calling? That's what I want to talk about this morning. So again, we're going to look back at Acts chapter 9. Verse 20 says this, watch this, immediately, that word's important, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. So he has this conversion with God, right, and then immediately he starts preaching. I think we've all seen somebody who, they they get to know Christ for the first time and they're on fire for Christ and they're telling everybody, right, because they got this confidence. Paul had this confidence, so immediately he preaches the Christ in the synagogues and that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed. Amazed at what? His confidence. And they said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? And watch this. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwell in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. How? Immediately he starts preaching, and his ministry continues to climb upward, and he continues to have confidence. How does Paul have such confidence in his calling? Am I the only person that consistently questions my confidence? You know what I mean? Like, I, like all of the time, I am questioning. I, I'm confident about something, and somebody goes, are you? And I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> like, I was until you questioned it, right? Like, there's so many moments. But listen, if you ever want to question your confidence, have children, right? Because, because if there's ever an individual who can question how confident you are, it is your kids. And here's why. Because they question everything, You can walk up and go, you should not be outside at 2 in the morning by yourself in the highway. Why? I I honestly don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. Like, I'm questioning. Literally, this morning, I was talking to Casey Ray as I was getting her ready for church, and she asked me a question, and I said, I'm pretty sure. And she said, well, pretty sure is not sure. I was like... You got a point there, babe. Like, I don't know what to say to you, right? Like, like, there's just something about getting in that place where you start to question. I find myself where, watch this, I feel like I have false confidence. You know what I mean? Like, I was confident until somebody questioned it. Or, or better yet, until something happened. I, I just knew God was in this. And then that happened. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, like, you know, God told me this. And then a couple of weeks later, something's changed. Like, oh, it wasn't God. But you were so confident then. So how can we ever truly have confidence? Paul has it. In fact, I think a lot of what we're seeing today is people's opinions built on false confidence. 
And here's why I tell you that. It's because when you have something built on false confidence, you refuse to want to confront anybody about it because you don't want them to question it. Because if you have false confidence, you fear questioning. Because if somebody questions that confidence, you know, watch this, that they're going to both, they're both going to know, you and them are going to know that you're not confident in what you're saying. They're going to be able to prove it and you're going to start second guessing it. And it's important that we don't have false confidence. Listen to me. We will never experience our full calling, nor will we fulfill it if it's built on false confidence. Hear me. We will never fulfill our calling. We will never fully experience it if we build that calling on false confidence. Because every time you face opposition, you'll question it. Every time something doesn't go, every time you remember what a sinner you are, you'll question it, right? Matter of fact, think about it like this. Paul should have been the number one person to have false confidence. I know that sounds, you know, a, a, little, a little wrong, but, but let, me, let, me, let me show you what I mean by that. I believe there are two things, mostly, that make us question our confidence. Number one is this, it's our past. I think it's our past that makes us, let me give you some examples. Like, like I, I know, I, I have confidence that I'm going to be able to get out of debt. But then you start remembering about some things you did in the past, and then you start to doubt it, and now you have false confidence. Or, or I know, I know I'm going to apply for this job, and I'm going to get this job. But then you start remembering the last two jobs you applied for, and the interviews, and how they didn't go, and now you have false confidence. Or, or I'm going to make this relationship work. And then you start remembering the past relationships. and You know what I mean? Like it's the past that starts to really challenge and make us question our confidence. And let's think about it. If that's true, think about Paul's past. Paul, Paul was persecuting Jesus, right? Anybody who was following Jesus, he was literally bringing them into prison, having them jailed, watching. He watched Stephen get stoned. And I mean killed with rocks, not the other one, okay? Like he watched him get stoned. And this, this is literally, and Paul knew this is my calling. Paul was doing it with passion. We talked about it last week. And then he finds out, whoa, 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 I'm actually going against God? And so he shifts it, and now he has confidence for Jesus. And it's so easy to preach that. You were confident in the world? Flip it and be confident in Jesus. But here's where I struggle. I go, well, I was wrong the first time. So am I wrong the second time? You know, I was, I was confident that I was doing it for God before. Well, you're, now you're doing it for God, but how do I know? And so I, I have this fake confidence, this false confidence that I'm standing on, but when you bring up my past, I start to doubt. And if anybody could have doubted their confidence by their past, it's Paul. The second thing I think that causes us to question our confidence is our present pain. So first is our past. Well, I did this. Well, I saw that. Well, I experienced this, and so I doubt my confidence in this now. The next thing is our present pain. Now I'm going through some stuff, right? Like, oh, I'm confident, I'm confident that I'm saved, but I'm struggling with sin. I'm confident that I'm doing right, but I'm hitting opposition. And there's something, look, we've either been taught false theology, or we've just heard sermons and misinterpreted them the wrong way. Because there's this belief that if we are in the will of God, we will experience favor instead of opposition. But if you study anybody that followed God in the Bible, their life is constantly facing opposition. 
which would actually tell you, and we're going to see this later when Paul says this, that actually present pain should not cause us to question our confidence. It should give us more confidence. It should help us to believe that we are in the will of God, not because all of a sudden we're walking through daisies, but because we are actually experiencing opposition. I heard somebody say one time, if you are going in a path and you're not facing, experiencing the devil, you must be going the same way he's going. Now, that can go a little too far, but I'm just saying, like, like there's just something about us that if our past or our present pain, if we are experiencing opposition, all of a sudden we have this false confidence. Like, maybe God didn't call me to do this because I'm struggling. Maybe God didn't call us to be married because we're having an argument. Maybe God didn't call me to do this because it's not happening, right? And because of our present pain, we start questioning our confidence. And Paul, despite his past, And despite his present pain, was confident in his calling. How do we get there? How do we get to the place where despite our past and how bad it was, and despite our present pain and how bad it's going to be, we are confident that we are saved, we are confident that we are delivered, we are confident that we are called, we are confident that we are children of God. How do we get there? Because Paul has it. Let me show you. When he's, he's writing to Timothy, watch what he says here. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to read 2 verses 11 and 12. He says this, And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That's confidence. This gospel I was called to preach the word, baby. That's what Paul's telling Timothy. I'm called. Now watch this. That is why I'm suffering as I am. Did you catch it? Paul says, Paul didn't say, I'm questioning my calling because I'm suffering. Paul said, I'm confident in my calling because I'm suffering. Did you catch that? Because I can never oppose the world's way and not have the world oppose me. We can't stand up for the things of God against today's culture and expect it to just be a cakewalk. We're suffering because we are walking in the calling of God. This is why I'm suffering. Yet this is no cause for shame, he says, because I know whom I have believed. That's going to be important at the end. I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced. Another word for convinced is what? Confident. I am confident that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that Here's the question. What does Paul know that we are still learning? What does Paul know that you and I still need to learn? Before I went to Bible college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I just went to a local community college in Memphis for math, or I'm sorry, for business. But I was, I was really good at math. Like, math was my, like, number one subject in high school. To this day, if our kids have a math problem, Darla's like, go talk to your dad. If they have any other problems in their world, they go talk to their mom. You know what I mean? Um, but I was just really good at math. But I was really late getting registered for college because I wasn't going to go. And somebody's like, you should go. And I was like, I don't want to go. I, you know, I, I, I had to go to school. I don't have to go to college. You know what I mean? Um, and so they talked me into it. Signed up, but I signed up late. And instead of being able to get like an advanced math class, I ended up with basic math, just, just basic math class. And so I go to the class the first day, and I'm sitting in the back. 
And the teacher starts asking these questions, and I'm answering the questions. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, it's just, it's just easy for me. So he's writing problems on the board, and before he can turn around and ask it, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm giving the answer. Da, 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 da. And he's just, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm killing it, right? I'm like, I'm fixing to be teacher's pet. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm to have my name on the board. Like, it's just going to be incredible. Like, this is, what a, what a great moment for me. And he says, Mr. Powell? And I was like, yes. And he goes, come here for a second. So I, I go up to the front. And he puts me, there is actually a desk outside of the classroom in the hallway, okay? And he puts me at that desk. So here's the deal. I can hear him, but he can't see me, so I can't participate in the class. So I can still hear what he's teaching, but I no longer can participate in the class. So I'm like, what did I do? So the class ends. Everybody leaves, and I go back in, and I walk up to the I don't remember his name, but I was like, hey, you know, Mr. So-and-so. I said, uh, I just have a quick question. Why am I in trouble? Like, I was confused, right? Because, I mean, I'm like obviously your best student, you know what I mean? So, so why am I in trouble? And, I'm, you know, I should be, like, I should be getting you an apple every day, and I have the little special desk by your desk, you know what I mean? Why am I in trouble? And he looked at me, I promise you, he said, that's the wrong question. I was like, well, well then what's the right question? He said, the right question is, why are you here? See, I was asking, why am I in trouble? He said the right question was, why are you here? And then he said this, because you already know what they need to learn. He's like, so obviously the conversation was, and they moved me to an advanced math class, but the point was that I was sitting amongst people, and I already had the knowledge of something that they needed to learn. So notice this, my confidence stands out above their confidence. See what I mean? So if there's ever somebody who is confident and something that we desire to be confident in. The right question is, what do they know that I need to learn? That is the question. Everything else is the wrong question. How can I be confident in my calling? That's the wrong question. How can I know that God has called me to do great things for God? That's the wrong question. How do I know what, what position I'm supposed to be in or, or what my purpose is? That's the wrong question. The right question is, what does Paul know that I still need to learn? And to answer that question, we've got to go all the way back to Acts chapter 9. I was reading this a couple weeks ago, and I just read over this multiple times, but it shot off the page to me this time. And it's literally about to set our church into a journey, and I'm going to explain that in a minute. But Acts chapter 9, verses 4 through 6, let me read them. It says, then he fell to the ground, being Paul. He heard a voice saying to him, the voice of Jesus, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. When I read that a couple weeks ago, the thing that I had never seen before, and just maybe not seen but hadn't paid a lot of attention to, is that Paul asked Jesus two questions. Question number one, who are you, Lord? Question number two, what do you want me to do? Question number one, who are you? Who, who are you? Jesus says, I'm Jesus. Good. And Paul says, okay, now what am I called to do? What's my purpose? 
the reason why I think Paul kind of like, because he said, who are you? Jesus, cool. And then he went on to like, what do you want me to do? The reason why I think Paul was so quick to like, all right, I got it, let's move on, is Paul's a doer. Paul was a doer. He's always been a doer, right? When he got saved, it was all about ministry. Immediately he starts preaching the gospel. We, we remember when he wrote to one of his churches and he said, hey, you know, before I got saved, I was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. I was circumcised on the eighth day. And he's lab- labeling all these things that he did. Because Paul was a doer. And so when, when Paul has this conversion moment with Jesus and he realizes, oh, this is Jesus, then he immediately goes, what can I do for you? And isn't this the pattern we're facing? Is it as soon as we experience Jesus, we're like, all right, then what am I called to do? What's my calling? What's my purpose? Let's go. And then because we're that way, 2020 has totally thrown us off our rocker. Because now I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Because now my life looks different than it did look. Now I'm confused about my calling, and now I have no confidence in my calling. Paul needed to know his purpose. He needed to have a reason to play the game. Recently, it was, it was actually this year, Veda's birthday, we had some friends buy her the game Disney Infinity. Y'all, y'all heard of that game? I had never actually played it before, but, but Veda loved it, and so they got it for her, and she would play it upstairs. And so she says, uh, she said, Dad, I, will you come and play with me? And so I was like, yeah, I'll come and play. So I go upstairs, and we start playing Disney Infinity. She hands me the controller, and when you play Disney Infinity, there's these little characters that they put on the board, and you become that character. So, so I was Stitch from Lilo and Stitch, and Veda was Princess Leia from the cartoon Star Wars. And so we're, we're playing, and I've got my controller, I'm sitting on the couch, and she starts taking me around her little Disney Infinity world, and she's showing me all these buildings that she built. She's like, this is, you know, a bank, and it's got all these gold coins in it, like the Donald Duck character guy. And I'm like, cool. And she goes, and this is like a castle from one of the princesses. I was like, cool. And she's like, and then this is, you know, this was a tree, and it's got this rope, and you can climb up the rope. And, and so she shows me all these things, and, and finally I, I just got a little impatient. I said, babe, what's the purpose? Like, what am I, what am I supposed to do? Like, tell me, you know, with Call of Duty, I know what I'm supposed to do, right? NBA 2K, Madden, I know what I'm supposed to do, score a touchdown. Like, why, why am I playing this game? What's my reason for playing this game? And she's like, Dad, just to go around and look at what I created. I'm like, I need, I need purpose. You know what I mean? I, I need a reason. Like, and literally, I was just, I've already seen these things. Like, are they just there to be there? Like, I need a purpose. And then I found out that if you hit the R2 button, your character would shoot. And then it was on, right? Because now I had a purpose. And so I started chasing Princess Leia with Stitch, shooting her, and then I could find out you could get on a plane, you could fly around. Anyway, I assigned purpose to the game is what I'm saying, okay? I needed a reason for the game. She had the same situation with Minecraft. You ever play Minecraft? She, I started playing that. I'm like, what is my purpose? She said, you build stuff. I'm like, for what? Why am I building? I needed a purpose. I found out you could actually kill the animals and eat them. That was my purpose, <laughs> right? Like, I need a purpose. And Paul was like me. He's like, I just need a reason. I need a reason to play the game. And if there's ever an idea or a theology that 2020 is challenging right now, it's purpose. I, I need a purpose. What's my purpose? My purpose was I went to church and I served. I went to work and I did this. I hung out with friends. I need a purpose. What's my purpose? Meanwhile, we're asking, not only do I need the purpose, but I need to have confidence in my purpose. So where's the breakdown? And here's what I realized. 
is that Paul asked Jesus two questions, but Jesus only answered one. Paul said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus. Then he said, what do you want me to do? And Jesus said, go here and I'll tell you later. The more I read that, here's, here's the more I realized that before Jesus wanted Paul to do anything for him, he wanted Paul to fully know him, right? And so what we tend to do is we tend to be like Paul. Who are you? Jesus, cool. You died for my sins? Cool, let's move forward. Now, what can I do for you? And then there's, it makes perfect sense that we would then lose confidence in that calling because we know what to do but we don't know the one we're doing it for, right? Jesus is telling Paul, listen, we got all the time in the world for you to do. What you need to focus on right now is who I am. If you can learn to know me, then you can have confidence in your calling. So how do you do it? How do I have confidence in my calling? Paul said it. He said, because of the one in whom I believe, he knew Jesus in such an intimate way that therefore he had confidence in his calling. So if he was facing a hard time, it didn't matter. He knew Jesus. If he was being blessed, it didn't matter. He knew Jesus. If somebody brought up his past, it didn't matter. He knew Jesus. If somebody brought up his future, well, you know, the pandemic doesn't matter. I know Jesus. Well, you know, they're saying that the schools might doesn't matter. I know Jesus. Well, you know, you know what you did last month doesn't matter. I know Jesus. Well, I don't know if you're as gifted, doesn't matter, I know Jesus. He knew the Lord, so he had confidence in what he was doing for him. Does that make sense? And I just felt the Spirit of God in such a strong way tell me, even me, listen to me, catch this. I had written an entire series, eight weeks long, about what you're doing for the Lord. I called it Living Room Leaders. I could not wait to preach it to you. The idea that you're in your living room and you're having to lead your kids and you're having to lead your spouse and you're having to lead your coworkers and I'm gonna equip you. I've been reading leadership books. I was so ready to equip you as a leader to do what you're called to do. And I read Acts chapter nine. And the Holy Spirit said clearly to me, don't you start telling them what to do before you make sure they know who I am. Because if we get caught up in what they're supposed to do, they will build it on false confidence and there will come a time where they question their past and they question their present and they question who they are and what they've done and what's happening around them and they will lose that confidence and they will fall away from God and they will always connect, watch this, relationship to religion and they will talk about church hurt and they will talk about all these different things and they will, they will connect it in their mind to the character of Jesus but they didn't even know who he was. They were just doing what he told them to do. So I want to challenge everybody. Starting next Sunday, we are going to begin something together called The Journey. I called it The Journey for a lot of reasons. The reason for it is this. It is a journey to answer this question. Who is Jesus? Who is he? We, I think we know that he died for our sins, but there's so much more to him. And so what we're going to do is every Sunday, we're going to go through a book from the book of John. John chapter 1, John chapter 2, John chapter 3. And we are going to break it down and identify the character of Jesus. This is who Jesus is. Every Sunday. So I already want you to make a plan. Please go buy you a journal. Get you a paper 
Bible, please, and be ready every Sunday morning with your pen. Let's take notes. Let's start writing down who is Jesus. But it's not going to stop there. We're working on a website we're going to put up for you. You can go on that website and you can actually join the journey. It's going to be cool. You can join the journey. It'll let me know that you're with me so I can kind of reach out to you and say, hey, let's do this together. I can answer questions. On that website, watch this. It's going to have uh, quiet time guidelines. Where we're going to try to encourage you. Here's how to have a quiet time. Here's what that looks like. We're going to have these study sheets we're making. Because watch this. Every Sunday, I can't preach on the entire chapter one of John. There's so much to it. So I'm going to pick verses that preach. And then the study sheet is going to catch the verses that I didn't preach on. And I've already completed week one. And watch this. There are four different identities of Jesus in just John chapter one. Isn't that crazy? So you'll have this study sheet that you can set down. You can read. It has questions. It'll get your mind going. We're going to have all these social media posts where you can invite your friends. You say, hey, join me on the journey. Listen, we don't have anywhere to go. Right? We can't do anything. Why would we dare look at 2020 and go, ah, it's just a waste. What if it becomes the most vital year of our life? What if 2020 is not remembered for a pandemic or racial injustice or division? What if it's remembered for the first year you really understood who Jesus was? What if you got on a whole nother level? Who's Jesus? He's the savior of my sins. Yes, but he's so much more. He's so much more. And the reason why I want to go through John, and I'm going to talk about this next week, but Theologians say that the first three Gospels written by Matthew, Mark, and Luke are, are from the perspective of what Jesus taught and what Jesus did. And they say John is written on the concept of who Jesus was and is. Do you see how much fun this could be? If you'll commit to this, if we'll do it together. But I don't want a notebook to be available in Smyrna, Tennessee. Get the pins. Hey, we got victory pins. You can steal them. And be ready to jot down who is Jesus. Can I, can I share this with you? Oh, it's so powerful. I was meeting with an individual, and we're going through this book dealing with emotional, healthy spirituality. And, and the concept that we had arrived at was that this individual never got approval as a kid. Never got approval from their parents. Never got approval from their leaders in their life. And we're talking about this, right, about approval. And we're talking about leadership and do and do and do. Because as human beings, it's always about what we can do. And we're talking about this and we arrive at this thing. Watch, through, through our conversation, this question came up. How do I get approval from God? This individual has been in church for over 17 years. And their question was this, I don't know how to find approval in God. Do you know what that tells me? is that in our culture today, we've mastered doing for Jesus and we have not mastered knowing who he is, right? Because how could we ever serve him and not feel approved by him? It breaks my heart. We got churches all over the world and we have mastered how to do for God. And we got people all over the world who don't know who he is. And then we wonder why people don't have confidence in their calling. Paul had confidence in his calling because he knew who Jesus was. That's what we have to fix. And so I want to invite you next Sunday 
tune in right here. Subscribe right now. Share. You're going to see the opportunity to share the social media post. Get your journal. Let's go. You'll be able to download the sheets. You'll be able to follow along. John is 21 chapters. So I'm get ready. You ready? We're probably going to be doing this into 2021. But what else do we have to do? Right? Let's go after Jesus in the best way. Let's have a moment where we're sitting our grandkids down talking about 2020 and they go, Mom, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa, I heard it was the worst year ever. No, honey, it was the best year ever because I got tighter with Jesus than ever before. I'll share this story and then I'll close. Many of you that follow us on social media know that uh, through the pandemic, I have picked up some hobbies and one of those hobbies was growing vegetables. Uh, we, our backyard is concrete, so it's just been in some pots and stuff. But um, Father's Day, my, my wife and kids got me a couple of plants, and uh, one of the plants was a bell pepper plant. It was the only plant I got that actually produced anything, okay? Uh, Chris wanted you to teach me how to be a better farmer. And so, um, but, but I remember I got the first bell pepper off, and I was so happy. I took a picture. It's on my social media if you want to go see it. So happy about it. And in a matter of three months, I got two bell peppers. Two. I was so happy about them. I was like, this is great. This is obviously how farming works, right? Three months, two bell peppers. This is what we do. Um, so then my mom comes in town and she goes into the backyard and she's looking at the plants and I'm telling her about it and she says, uh, honey, I think where this plant is, it's getting too much sun. And she goes, I think if you switched it here, it would do better. And I thought to myself, mom, you're silly. Like, just because the sun's over here and there's shade over here, in a couple of hours, they're just going to switch anyway, right? Like, I mean, come on, these plants, they grow out in the world wherever God puts them. Yeah, you know what I mean? This is silly. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I got two bell peppers. Like, I know what I'm doing. Master, right? Me and Gordon Ramsay are like tight. Like, I, I got this thing figured out. I didn't say any of that because my mom would have probably put me on the ground, but I, I, just, I thought it all. I was like, this, yeah, okay. So Darla's out of town. She comes back in town a couple days later, and we're outside looking at the plants, and I tell her what my mom says. She goes, well, honey, your mom knows plants better than you, so you might want to consider. I was like, so what do you, what do you mean? Like, maybe, like, we, we, got, we should move plants? She's like, I think we should. So about three weeks ago, we moved the plants. At this current moment, there are 17 bell peppers on that plant. <laughs> Obviously, I was wrong, right? But watch this. So powerful. When you get stuff in the right place, it's amazing the fruitfulness that starts to happen. And for every person that's watching, you've just felt fruitfulness. Maybe we just need to realign ourselves back in the right place. And the only way we really know where the right place is is to get to know the person that knows it better than us. And maybe, just maybe, if we would commit some time to really knowing Jesus, our marriage and our family and our kids and our finances and our health and all these things could start to get into the right place. And watch this, what you used to look at and thought, well, that is good enough you'll find out it was never fully reaching its potential until it gets to a place where it really knows Jesus. So again, I invite you, next Sunday, seven days from now, please join me 
for the journey. And together, let's truly learn who Jesus is. You down? You good? You in? Y'all in? The journey? Now, here's the deal. If you join the journey and you let me know, I'm going to keep you accountable. Because I'm doing this with you. It's not something I've pre-prepped. We're doing it together. Because I know that I don't fully know him either. And by the time this is all said and done, we will all be able to go, man, let me tell you who Jesus really is. Father, I thank you for your word, for your presence. I thank you that you are everything to us. As the worship team was singing earlier, you are the center. Everything revolves around you. And I pray for every person that's watching, that's listening right now. And maybe they've been faithful to church. Maybe they've been interested in the idea of a Savior who saves them from their sins. Maybe they're just at a point where they're fed up with the way things are going. And we're always talking about how life is better with you and how you came to give us life to the fullest. And is it possible that the reason that we don't have the confidence and the fulfillment and the joy that your scriptures talk about, is it possible that we don't fully know who you are? And God, we'll commit this time and I know you'll be faithful. And when this season is over, we'll look back and realize that it wasn't a wasteful season. It was the season where we grew in our relationship with you the best. So I just pray right now in the most supernatural way that you would just pierce the heart of every person that's watching, that's listening. That they'd make this commitment. Again, what else do we have to do, Father? But to seek your face to learn who you are and to grow in our knowledge of you. So right now, just begin to make that commitment. Just begin to say, come on, say, Father, help me. I want to make this, I never committed anything that long in my life. But for the rest of this year, I'm going to focus in. I'm going to listen and watch these messages. I'm going to learn about the book of John. I'm going to get my journal. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to read these study sheets. I'm going to start a quiet time. And by the time 2020 is over and we begin to, to rush in 2021, it won't be in an attitude of, I'm so glad that year's over, but it'll be in an attitude of, I've never known Jesus more. Come on, give us strength, I pray. Give us a passion and a hunger and a desire to learn more about you. Father, I pray for those that are watching that are new to faith and new to you. What a better, there, there's no better time to be joining them right now. Starting from the beginning. Clean slate. Who is Jesus? I cannot wait. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said.